Maslow proposed his famous hierarchy of needs in 1943, and it remains a foundational idea in psychology. In this episode, we explore the deep consistency between Maslow's understanding and OptumWorks, discussing reframing, mindfulness challenge, as well as Maslow's paradoxically selfless understanding of self-actualization. I'm Sharif Yunus with Dr. Kevin Majors, and this is The Golden Hour. Hey, this is Sharif here with another episode of The Golden Hour, joined by Dr. Kevin Majors. Kevin, thanks for joining us again. Hey, Sharif. Uh, great to be back here with you. Well, Kevin, it's been exciting working on a new master class. Uh, and I think this one is great. It's going to be helpful for a lot of people. And this one is focused on how to help other people grow. So it'll be very helpful for coaches, managers, parents, friends too. Um, and one of the things that we've been discussing in the context of this is how to help people find the right challenge that's going to help them grow the most. That's right. And within the context of that, we kind of came back to a central idea in psychology, which is Maslow's hierarchy. Yes. It's built so, into the inventory, you could say. Yeah. And, and uh, it, it does a great job. So it'd be, it'd be nice to talk about now what it looks like for, if, you, if you're talking this, you know, actually it could be for yourself in your own case, or it could be if someone's coming to you with a particular problem. How do you start thinking about where to get started? You know, like, where, where is the focus that you should, and how do you make sure that you're on solid ground? And if, if you don't get it right, you can end up spinning your wheels. So like a really, you could say a classic kind of example would be what if, um, now that you, because you're not like a psychiatrist, maybe people wouldn't come to you, Sharif, with this particular question, but like what if a person is having trouble sleeping? And if you were to treat it purely as like a psychological issue, well, that might not be the thing that helps them the most. What if their B12 is low? You know, what if there's some other thing going on? Well, if you don't take care of the physical and make sure that the body is working properly, yeah, then you're not going to be able to really get as far trying to help them with teaching them diffusion and mindfulness to help detach from their thoughts and not have such a goal of falling asleep and all those things, which are really good and really helpful. You know, and maybe for the vast majority of people are all they need. You know, but still, you have to <clears throat> start thinking of a series of steps or priorities. So how do you really prioritize? You know, and if you first address physical causes, if they might be there, then you're going to have a much more solid foundation to address the psychological or spiritual issues that come later. But I think that people tend to get into, I don't know, like a one-track mind. You know, some people only think biologically about things, and some people only think psychologically, and they're some people only think spiritually. So every problem that comes to them is just, oh, that's a spiritual problem. Mm. You know, but, but it might be really that there's a problem here with the person needing to learn how to practice reframing and mindfulness and setting challenges, the core psychological things. But similarly, so it's, it, it helps to round out the picture to have a way of thinking about prioritizing growth so that you start with really foundational things and then build your way up. Mm -hmm. So maybe we could just walk through the hierarchy very briefly, just so people have a better image. 
anyone listening to this could also Google Maslow's hierarchy and follow along. But yeah, uh, so it's basically just, a just pyramid. Exactly. Where, Google Maslow and you'll see the triangle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's triangle and it has physiological, then uh, freedom from fear or safety needs, then connection, then esteem or self-respect or mastery, and then self-actualization is the highest. Yeah. So you're kind of suggesting uh, first in the order of intention is last in the order of execution. So you start with, so the, the most important thing that people are going to be seeking is the top self-actualization. And I actually want to get into that a little bit later because we don't really talk about self-actualization. We talk about service as kind of the highest ideal. So it's interesting to compare those two, I think. Um, but, but that's kind of the last thing that you attain. Yeah, it's, it's exactly. So one of the reasons to start growing is so that you can be the best version of yourself. That you want to have, you, know, you have one life to live. So why not try to make sure that this is, you're living it the best way that you can. So that actually is the goal. That's the drive for self-actualization. And so if a person is setting out on a path of growth, they really do already have that self-actualization in mind. But then they need to get started with looking at the physical. So, and so in the, when we're mentoring people, the very first thing that we talk to people about is sleep. And namely, jumping into bed the moment your alarm first sounds. It's, it's, it's an early topic in, whenever we're working with people. But along with that comes with ensuring that the person is getting seven hours of sleep. So then a set wake up time helps to make sure that you can plan the bedtime to make sure that you're getting at least seven hours or up to eight. Well, just assuring sleep is a huge step forward for a lot of people. You know, probably half of all Americans you know, aren't getting the sleep that they need or it's not in the right patterns and it's irregular and very often disturbed. And so I think that there's, there's a lot of wisdom. And this I learned in psychiatry residency that you know, we're taught if, if you get the patient sleeping, is are you already halfway getting them better? So now, many times we would over-rely on just giving them sleeping pills and other things, and I think that there are better ways of ensuring it, but it's at least the right instinct. You know, and another thing that we focus on early is exercise. Yeah, and so getting people exercising at least every other day, in some, you know, the minimal way we always talk about is a 10-minute jog with three 30-second sprints. It could be whatever, you know, but we want people to be exercising at least every other day. Well, if you're getting exercise and sleep, the thing we don't talk a lot about, but it's really important there too, is, is diet. So like uh, if a person were um, living off of Coca-Cola and candy bars and they come to you and they just say, you know, I just am having such a hard time focusing. And then you know, I, I feel like my energy levels are always up and down. Well, if you were to treat that purely as a, a mindfulness and intensity issue in work, you'd be missing it. You know, that you have to take care of the diet. And so probably we'll have to have another, another episode at some point in talking about the diet that supports thriving in work and life. Mm -hmm. Whole foods is, the, is the, the simple answer. So uh, staying away from processed sugars you know, and eating whole foods. Now. If a person is eating well, sleeping well, and exercising, that is a very secure foundation. What's actually a little very cool is to see how 
well, our approach, you know, and what we teach people in optimal work fits exactly with Maslow and this hierarchy. Because we would then say the next thing is helping people with reframing. So helping them to be thinking of the triggers for complaining and dreading and how to flip those triggers so they bring out and activate their best habits. So you're thinking about what can you really be practicing? You know, when this trigger comes up, you think of it in advance, you strategize a bit, and then they find that these triggers propel them forward. So in the things that they used to dread, now they can thrive on. Well, that whole area of reframing is the next level in Maslow, which is freedom from fear, as you mentioned. So, but it's feeling safe, not being in threat mode. Because again, a person could be very distracted at work, but it's because, you know, he or she is always feeling like there's a looming threat or you know, they had some work-related traumatic experience. And since then, they've had a hard time focusing. Well, you have to address threat mode because you just aren't going to be able to engage your higher attention centers if you're constantly in a state of threat. And that's what Maslow recognized. So the next thing is this idea of freedom from fear. And we teach that by teaching people how to reframe. After that, he talks about connectedness, you know, and a sense of belonging, but not yet in the sense of transcending yourself. Well, to me, I think that fits perfectly with mindfulness. So once a person's habit of reframing is more stable, they're going to then get the next biggest gain from learning to settle their attention mindfully. The practice of mindfulness done once a day for 15 minutes or broken up into a few minutes before hours of work. Now, that does mean connecting with the world, getting out of your own head. Now you are leaving your inner world where when people are in fear, they're trapped, able to connect with others. The next step after that is mastery. So he talks about self-esteem or the people who talk about Maslow talk about self-esteem. So, and, and, uh, and these, that that's the level there. But it seems that what he's really talking about is a sense of mastery in what you do. So you're, you're mastering your work. That corresponds with us, an idea of challenge. Learning how to challenge yourself in the very substance of your work so that you get better at it. All of that together, then he says, sets you up to really work on self-actualization, which paradoxically means self-transcendence and self-forgetfulness. So that you end up, because your these needs are met, able to then prioritize thinking of others' needs, forgetting about yourself and giving yourself. And it's beautiful that that whole trajectory is in Maslow. Yeah, and and yeah, that last piece is very interesting to get into uh, how he saw those those two fitting together: self transcendence, self actualization. Uh, maybe we should point out briefly that Kevin, I think you mentioned this that the triangle that is so famous he didn't actually come up with that yeah that's so that's not like in a book of his yeah scott barry kaufman talks about that and says at one point someone was um it was towards the end of his life and someone was talking to maslow and they're asking him some questions and they started drawing uh uh the the the, the triangle uh, uh on a napkin to re be referring to it and then maslow said oh that I won't, I won't swear in the show, but he's like, that, that triangle. <laughs> so he was annoyed to see the triangle. And he's like, because he, he never actually did the, did the triangle. He just talked about the stages. So, and, mm -hmm. and you, you can think of them uh, as steps that need to be secure for the next step. 
But it's not like he ever also said that you have to just focus all your energies on one and then the next and then the next. So sometimes there's a real deficit in one of them and then you target that. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that the, the higher ones are somehow smaller than the lower ones. Yeah, so actually they're bigger. If anything, it's more of an yeah. inverted triangle. So, so there's, yeah, there's some things there. that need, Yeah, the triangle can be misleading. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, let me ask you about the kind of order of of working through these because we would suggest that generally if there's a problem with a lower one, people should start there. And so that's a kind of useful tip for coaches or mentors is that a mentor is trying to help someone find the best challenge for them, say, this, say, week. Uh, So people might come in and start talking about all sorts of different things uh, and you want to kind of identify uh, what's the challenge that's lowest in this hierarchy that would, and that's going to be the one where you get the most bang for your buck by working on it. Is that right? I think that's right. Yeah. And it just so happens that a lot of the biological things are in a sense taken care of early in the morning. So building a really good morning routine ensures that you're going to wake up on time. Hopefully that ensures you get to sleep on time and you get the full amount of sleep. And then also that that's the best time to get exercise. So mm-hmm. if people have, and then other practices that will come, you know, like doing some time of meditation or prayer. So it ends up being a solid foundation to build the rest of the day on. And I think we've always experienced that, haven't we? When we're working with people, if you get the morning taken care of, it mm-hmm. is a night and day difference. But at the same time, we wouldn't necessarily want people putting off this kind of longer term growth and these deeper questions of what's the meaning of my life? What's the meaning of my work? Those aren't things that we just put off for later until we figured out first the biological questions, are they? Yeah. So I think it is what gets the whole process of working on your growth started. So that's mm-hmm. how you, you, you will then be making the, the, a greater commitment like the, about towards the kind of life that you want to live. Uh, and I think that's actually very important for to see that if people especially are caught in vicious cycles, those vicious cycles are creating a whole way of life. And they need to see that is not the direction I want to go. So then they're going to get serious about actually making changes. Uh, Now, probably they're going to need to work on some of the earlier steps, though, taking care of their, you know, the, the body and its needs will make it easier to take care of threat mode. And that makes it easier to practice more continual mindfulness, you know, and setting challenges for yourself. And all of that then lends to where the growth, like being able to actually transcend yourself is made Mm -hmm. easier. Just to read a little bit of Maslow here. He says that self-actualization paradoxically makes it more possible to have transcendence of self and transcendence of self-consciousness and of selfishness. So he's talking about the sense that you you can transcend your own interests, you can transcend your own the consciousness of self, and you can transcend, you know, the making yourself the end of all your actions. Well, that means really that you can sincerely seek others, you can be humble and forget about yourself, and you can be generous in giving yourself. So he directly saw that that is the goal, you know, where self actualization leads. Self-actualization allows you, he said, it paradoxically erases itself. Because the more self-actualized you are, 
the more you are completely able to then be living for the world around you, for those that you love, giving your best in your work and in your relationships. And giving your best in work and relationships means that you're not the center of your life. You're not self-centered anymore. You're, you've transcended that to others. And that's the, at the end of Maslow's life, that's what completely occupied him. I think that to get real traction with those higher motives, well, this, that you need a foundation that's established. People can see that they're beautiful. They can see that they're good. But to really make progress in them, I think some of these earlier steps need to be very well established mm -hmm. in order for that to take place. Mm -hmm. It's I I really like that point. And it, with the with the kind of traditional Maslow's hierarchy, the triangle, I think the first time I had looked at it in a while was just this past week. And I saw self-actualization and I was like, oh, you know, that's not how we think about it at all. That mm -hmm. somehow like perfecting yourself is at the top and that's the whole goal of life. But, uh, but then, yeah, it's, I mean, it's very interesting that he points out this kind of paradox or the way that self-actualization and self-transcendence go together. Uh, so, well, why is that? Yeah, I think that one is all along the way, if you're trying to do your best, say at reframing, well, reframing is going to mean seeing every challenge as an opportunity. And it's going to, it's going to mean actually finding a deeper meaning in these things so that you're finding a higher way of growing that the challenge is actually helping you attain. Well, that, that requires in some sense ideals. Already, just reframing is going to end, is going to make you think about something that transcends yourself that you're striving for. You're not something that you're just complacent about yourself and kind of just, just accepting it. Reframing means that somehow the challenge has to be put in a new and wider context. But the higher that goes with ideals, the more people it's also going to include. And it's just the nature of ideals that as you're working on seeing challenges in light of them, they're going to be more and more practicable really in relation to other people. And a reason to be grateful for any challenge is that if you learn how to master this challenge, think about how you can help others in your life to master that same challenge. We are inherently social. You know, we are, you know, we are just deeply connected to each other. And so none of us can even practice reframing ultimately without reference to other people. Where it's just because that's what it means to thrive. You know, you can't thrive as an isolated individual. And the proof is, again, that every ideal, if you're going to say, well, this will actually help me to be more understanding or patient or loving or, uh, or, or brave, those ideals all have their real meaning insofar as they allow you to be serving the common good, you know, and those that you love most. Mm. So it's kind of built into human nature, you're saying? I think, I, th I think it is. Helps. Yeah, very much. And I think that it's the same with, you know, the way that mindfulness also, you know, settling the mind makes it easier to have higher intentions in your work. You know, if you're rushing, you're just going to be doing things for lower intentions, like getting them done or perhaps some other kind of satisfaction to have, you know, but mindfulness opens up a possibility of now thinking of a wider vista and keeping it more in your mind, mm -hmm. setting challenges. Well, ultimately all work is service. 
And you're going to challenge yourself to provide a greater and greater service to those around you or to the common good. You're going to want to move your whole field forward if you can. But all of that means it's other-directed or it's self-transcendent. So there, so, and Maslow saw this, there is simply no way of having individual self-actualization. Mm. You know, because every, the whole path means, ultimately, it erases itself. I love that he said that. So self-actualization tends to erase itself. As you just, now your attention is on where it can be, where you can best serve and, 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 and ultimately love others. Yeah, yeah, it's a great image. Uh, well, Kevin, we're basically out of time, so I don't know if you want to finish up by maybe just talking a little bit about how this fits into the context of mentoring or coaching, and maybe just within the context of the master class that we're the second master class that we're now working on to share a little bit about that. Well, hopefully, this encourages mentors and coaches to just be curious about when someone is struggling and they're not making progress. It's usually not helpful to say, oh, it's just like, you know, weakness in the will, you know, or it's just some problem and they don't really want it or they're self-sabotaging, you know, whatever the, the case might be. I think it is more helpful to be curious about what are the deeper things not being met here. This helps us to be more understanding with others, you know, and even, you know, parents with their children, you know, like, well, if the children are cranky and, and or hype, you know, causing a lot of trouble and um, having anger problems. Well, are they sleeping really well? Are they eating really well? Especially with kids, that's a huge question. You know, the, are they getting enough exercise outdoors? Do they get enough sunlight? You know, I think it just helps us to always be more understanding with others. You know, that we see that they might have things, you know, that they're struggling with that they don't even know is an issue. And if we have this model of how to like just make sure you have a solid foundation with each step, we are definitely going to be able to help the most number of people. Great. Well, Kevin, thanks so much. All right, Shreve. Thank you. We'll be back next week. Well, thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to check out optimwork.com for a set of online tools to help you engage challenge in your life. See you next week.